0: hello friends welcome to another episode of hybrid unlimited today marcus and i sit down with jeff whitmer he and his dad mike whitmer run a hormone replacement therapy uh office in saint louis missouri uh we're going to talk about all the things you might uh expect or might be curious about uh around this topic so who's a good candidate who's not what are some of the symptoms uh you might have that might be worth uh you know, exploring with a professional, uh, if you're feeling them, uh, everything uh, around this topic. It's really an interesting one. I know there's a lot of people out there who are affected by low testosterone. Uh, we also think it's a pretty pertinent episode since the whole Liver King thing just came out and he's also claiming that he only does trt so we talk about the difference between what trt is and uh, actually taking a full steroid stack and different things like that as always make sure you screenshot this episode while you're listening uh, tag me tag Steffi, tag Hybrid unlimited and you'll automatically be entered in a draw to potentially win some hybrid legacy brand apparel which is the official apparel of the podcast as well as hybrid performance method as a whole While you're at it, check us out on HybridStrengthCoach.com. We have every program under the sun for all the different disciplines from weightlifting to powerlifting, strongman, bodybuilding, general fitness, everything in between. Go check us out and you can get seven days free. Just click the little box that says seven days free at checkout. Sit back, relax, enjoy another episode of Hybrid Unlimited. We want to give a shout out to our incredible sponsors for the podcast, Element. Chances are you're not getting enough electrolytes or salt in your diet. Element is an electrolyte supplement that contains no added sugar, no artificial ingredients, and no BS. Everyone needs electrolytes, especially if you sweat a lot during your training. Having the right levels of sodium, potassium, and magnesium flowing through your system will not only help combat fatigue and brain fog, but it can seriously improve your performance in the gym. But don't just take our word for it. Athletes in the NFL, NBA, NHL, US Olympians, and members of the Special Forces are all drinking Element to get their electrolyte intake on point with the most delicious powder on the market seriously these flavors are insane my personal favorite is citrus salt element is giving our listeners a special offer head over to the link in our show notes or ig to get a free gift with your purchase courtesy of our friends at element again the link is drinkelementcom hybrid that's drink hybrid stay salty and now back to the show
1: so yeah listen welcome um
2: introduce yourself Yeah, I'm, tell the world who you are for sure uh, so i'm jeff <laughs> I'm jeff whitmer so um yeah my kind of my i can kind of go through a little bit of my background so yeah. um kind of how i know hayden's through, through olympic weightlifting so mm-hmm. i started competing in an olympic weightlifting when i was about 10 years old and um competed for about 15 years and got to a pretty high level lived at the olympic training center for a couple of years uh won some nationals competed on the the national team some world championships junior world championships as well pan-american championships and games and pan-american games where i met fernando too and then i met you at a meet in uh vegas mm-hmm. and God, that was um eight years ago now yeah it would have been it was definitely before
0: i moved to miami so i've been here about seven years so yeah sounds about right
1: I didn't even know that. So you you were like pretty high level weightlifting competitor. What weight class were you? Ninety four kilo.
0: He okay, he so. like what do you do? Snatch one seventy five and clean and jerk one. Come on. Two, so two, my best
2: lifts in training are one seventy oh. and two hundred. I, oh. I couldn't. I had a my I could clean a lot more, but my jerk couldn't really catch up. In competition, my best is fifty eight ninety seven. I cleaned two hundred four a few times as well. God, uh, dude,
1: that's, uh, that's
2: before, impressive. Before I ever met him, I just knew him from the internet because really? yeah there wasn't that
0: many uh like people putting out videos back then other than like Cal strength yeah. so i would
2: always see your stuff pop it, up on youtube Derek johnson would post we would always there's a group of us in st louis that would train together on saturdays and uh Derek would post it on YouTube and I mean this was a long time ago we thought it was weird at the time we're like why is he putting it on YouTube (laughs) yeah right and that was before it really kind of caught steam and then Cal Strength started putting stuff out there and it kind of blew up and then I was like gosh I wish we would have posted more stuff like what were we thinking yeah Um, especially with the crazy numbers you're hitting yeah but at the Mm -hmm. time it was like it was um yeah it was kind of it was we thought it was silly (laughs) you were were a content creator before that was cool yeah Uh, uh, well, kind of. <laughs> I was just lifting guys, film me, put it on there, and I, I didn't even know you put it on there. Sometimes, and people be like, "Oh, there's a, I saw you snatching this on YouTube." I'm like, "Really? That's um, so funny." It's like throughout my
1: powerlifting career, like I was, I would post all my training every day on Instagram. Like that's how my family like figured out like why I was getting so big. They're like, <laughs> they're like, like I would go to like Thanksgiving, like, "What are you doing? You you deadlifting yeah. eight hundred pounds?" And I'm like, "Yes, thank you for keeping up with my life." <laughs> Uh,
0: what was it that, the uh, was it your aunt or? Oh my God. Dad? I told this
1: story yesterday, but like, at, like toward the end of my, my last five years or maybe like a year or two ago, like my grandma, she would just, just get on me. Like, when are you going to stop? You're too big. You know? She's <laughs> like, and I she was, I, I basically just told her, I was like, yeah, I just want to deadlift 800 pounds. Like I'd already done it at that point. And then like, after that had come and gone, I would post a video, like, you know, deadlift whatever, above 800 pounds. And then she's like, I
2: thought you were going to stop. You've already done 800 pounds. (laughs) You don't
1: look good. (laughs) You've got to keep going, Grandma. Yeah, no, but, you know, my family's not. They don't know anything about, like, exercise, basically. So they would just... Just look at me, they're just like, Whoa, what do you why do you look like this? I'm just like, let me not talk about it, please. I don't want to get
2: into it. Yeah, my so my dad competed in the he competed about fifteen years as well in the eighties. Um, in get, weightlifting. In, yeah, in weightlifting. Oh, come so on. he didn't really? start till he was twenty years old and then stopped at about thirty five. So kind of different careers as far as Papa kind Jeff frame. Did. uh Papa Mike, but uh, uh Yeah. Okay. But uh he um, Oh, I mean I meant like oh, yeah, 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 your Papa Jeff. You. Um a lot of people think we have the same name. Either they think I'm Mike and he's, they think I'm, they'll call me Junior. Um, Do you guys and look so he, similar? A little bit, okay. yeah, a little bit. I mean, he's taller. He's about six one, and he competed as hundred and ten key lifter, so oh, he was a bigger big. frame guy. Wow. And, you know, he has four brothers, and they're all bigger than him, like oh, wow. you know, massive guys. So uh, everyone in my family was like pretty familiar with weightlifting. Going to see my dad compete, and so and I and I started just to kind of get. I, I was a really, I was a tiny kid. I mean, I think. I was like 50 kilos when I was a freshman in high school. Oh my god, and then by I was so getting shoved, shoved into lockers, the, yeah, yeah, my books knocked out of my hands and shit. Um, and um, so I just started lifting, just get a little bigger. And I was playing other sports too, is kind of when I got my dad football? got me into it. No, my dad was actually a football coach, um, and I didn't, my mom was like, while I, being a doctor, uh, yeah, so he was, uh, huh. he would, co- there was a local, um, a junior football league that he would coach at and then he actually got on the the board too. So he was heavily involved in the the local football scene, but my mom like did not want me to play. She's like, "He can play soccer." Um, and I think it's actually proven there's more concussions from soccer at that age than there right. is from football. Um,
0: uncoordinated kids banging their heads into each other. <laughs> yeah.
1: But um scary stuff.
0: and No helmets, too.
1: Yeah, what did what did you guys play back then? Was it like I mean, tackle, but like, was I, it like, do you have all the pads and everything necessary yeah. at that
2: point? Or yeah, was I mean, I think they did. Yeah, I mean, when we go to the games, like, I, I remember, I'm trying to think what age they started tackle. I don't know if it was, like, in, sometime in grade school.
1: Great. Just um,
2: the critical point of brain development.
1: It, Let's cut that out. This off.
2: is, like, this is kind of a funny story. <laughs> but so my dad used to have me go in. So there was a light, they used to do it, a light team and a heavy team. And so sometimes you need a certain amount of players for the roster. So usually they were, sh- they were a lot of times they were short on some of the teams. So I would go way in, they'd put me on the roster, but then my mom wouldn't let me play. So I was on the roster for the teams, but I rem- I like remember, like like specifically remember going to just like, my dad's like, just get on the scale and we'll leave. I'd go way in, like sign me up and then I'm gone. <laughs> and then I didn't play.
0: Man. Did you have to go along with it and sit on the bench?
2: Make it look real? Uh, for a little while I was like the, uh, this is when I was like, I, one of the seasons, I think I would just wear the jersey, but I wouldn't wear the pads. I'd just go watch. Uh, okay. so it was like I was a, in the injured reserve. Okay. At the time, I didn't really know. I thought I was just going to like root for the team my dad's coaching. I didn't really piece it all together until a little later. You were part out a like, master plan. Oh, I was kind plan. of sneaky, dad. Like what were, <laughs> what we're doing there. So when he was training back in the 80s, I mean, like, what was the
1: state of American weightlifting back then? And like, does that, like you said, you said he started when he was 20. So like, did he start, did he have time to become an Olympic weightlifter while going to med school? Yeah, I
2: mean, for him, um, you know, he got up to 150, 185. So, you know, he was a top, you know, I think he was a top eight guy on the national scene. Um, You know, back then. It's a little deceiving if you look at, you know, American weightlifting from the international stage because you had the, the Soviet Union didn't break up yet. So you were going and, you know, in the international level, you're only competing against one or two Soviets potentially, where now, you know, after right. up, there's there's a lot you're competing against. And some of them aren't even from the former Soviet bloc countries They're in other countries now, too. Um, so I think on the, yeah, I mean, on the, the international scene, U.S. was more competitive. And, um, you know, obviously, you know, in the 80s, everyone was taking a ton of shit um that was like the bleeding edge well, didn't they only drugs?
0: i thought the first uh international competition they tested at was in the 80s for pan ams
2: is that right so so uh, i'm not sure on that but the 1983 nationals was the last non-drug tested nationals okay um and i have the vhs of it, it was in Seaconk, massachusetts at a high school and it was it's one of the best like videos ever I don't know if you can YouTube it. if Someone's put it up there. I'll but have to it, check. It's pretty wild. Like, um, see
0: if you can I, pull it up, George. I think
2: Jeff Michaels did like one ninety and two eighteen. Oh wow! Uh, as God. a one ten, there was some insane lifts what? going on. Wow! But everyone, do they all have mustaches? It's like, yeah, there's a lot of mustaches. <laughs> like really um, everyone's like,
1: beefy. everyone's super jacked. Um, and did, it, did your dad wear like the like the
2: manlet bikini type? Oh yeah. Snout? Yeah. Ah, was yeah. that it? There, pan trials. Eighty-three. Go to maybe eighty-three nationals That, that might have been the like nationals. the greatest
1: part of like looking back at weightlifting pre-two thousands. Type of uh, the singlets they used to wear. Like you used they used to squeeze the super heavyweights into those like singlet
2: bikini type of things. Yeah, that they used Jeff, to Michaels. See Jeff Michaels. I, I might have been a little. Let's like maybe it was eighty-seven and eighteen or something. Look at that. And this is too when you could do the fourth attempt. So it's, I think it made the competitions way more exciting because guys were doing crazy. They take crazy god jumps mess. just to go if they're a national record, right? Um, but you could just see the difference in you know some of the oh, upper body oh, with some on. of these guys. Please make this. Oh no, oh no! Oh. Right
1: into the weight tree. Oh god.
2: Where and there's some old like some coaches too from now. Like Leo Totten lifted in this meet. Cool. Um, Butch Curry was in this meet. And it was a, yeah, I think it was a wide world of sports. Cal shake. Wow. Yeah. Man, pretty smooth did. technique. He must've been a light guy. There's nice. Kurt White. So this was one of my dad's training partners. And I, he, Ooh. so he, he that's had a, safe. he was a, what was the weight class back then? Um, 181 pound. And so, yeah, he did, this is where, I think he cleaned 205.5, that's like then missed the jerk. It's like 190s guy, I, I would guess. So little funny story about him at that meet I asked my dad I'm like why does his eyes look like that and he's like all shaky man dad's like oh he took some like little speed before and I'm speed? like yeah and like, so whoa, whoa, whoa. They, they were like amphetamine that? so basically it was injectable <laughs> so it <was> injectable amphetamine <laughs> oh my god, oh my god. And- degenerates yeah, and uh, basically so they were having if you could if you i mean when you guys go like watch the video so like oh, yeah, they're slapping the they're slapping great. him in the face because he's just so out of it and uh, <laughs> oh. but he lifted like a fucking animal yeah, uh, injectable um, amphetamines is like that, that's like the type of thing you would see like
1: you know people from like the 30s and 40s like they were just taking recreationally yeah <laughs> that that does not sound uh, conducive to a good weightlifting meet or health yeah i mean <laughs> you start getting into that i mean it just that does not seem like uh among the common realm anymore you know mm. i know i've definitely not seen that not even an uh, untested powerlifting meets. <laughs> then those guys will they'll pretty much take anything oh uh, that's wild this wild. is great i mean so this is like you really come from like a weightlifting dynasty
2: yeah like kind of just it's always been around i remember going you know when i was a kid just going to like the gym with my dad and being in the corner squatting a broomstick he'd just be like 10 sets of 10 um, (laughs) sick and stuff and just yeah so it felt pretty and maybe that had something to do with it too like when i did start lifting it was uh Super that's Bruce Wilhelm. <laughs> um, Look at the stash. The, the, uh It's got absolutely no clothing it, on and full mustache. It felt really natural for me to do like full <laughs> cleans and the movements like once right. I did actually get oh. started with, you know, with weights. Right. And so I don't know if that plays a part or not. Like I've heard, you know, like Mike Bergner had his kids lifting on like the styrofoam and plastic weights. Like I've heard Crate like five years old. I don't know if that's true or not, if it was a little older. But um, yeah, I don't know if that plays a part. You know, I, I think it, could, it won't hurt yeah definitely um, not you know just practicing the movement patterns without any weight well i mean you grow up in an environment that like no one grows up in yeah so, it,
1: i mean it gives you just a, a window into a world that's pretty obscure for most people because like who the think about it 20 t- 10 years ago before crossfit who heard of weightlifting
2: yeah and it was kind of i mean no, like no one well you, you'd,
0: you'd say you're a weightlifter and then they'd ask you how much you bench press
2: right yeah <laughs> and i it was kind of you know i don't know if you've ever talked about it or not but he he's like he's like you you have there's no choice you have to be strong and that's what i was re- so like when i was obviously having him as an example from a young age it's like all right so when i get older i have to get big and strong like that's that's what you do like to be a man it's, and so you're just yeah. kind of determined to do that um so and you you grew up in
1: the midwest right
2: yeah, yeah. so yeah. i've lived so, at st louis really my whole life with the exception of just when i was in colorado springs for a couple of years so. i think
1: I think the Midwest has, like, a really unique strength culture in the United States that, like... It does, like, yeah. Yeah, if you were to, like, think of, I don't know, Georgia in the 1980s, like, the like the like if you were to think about it in the context of American strength sports, like, Georgia doesn't come to mind. Like, Ohio comes to mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I, Missouri comes to mind, yeah. sure. But, like, that I feel like whatever it is about that kind of, like, culture in the Midwest, whether it's playing football or... It's cold. The, you have to be inside. Got to fill the time. Sure. Right? Like, (laughs) uh, it's just, it's a a unique place in the U.S. And it looks like it bred a lot of, like, the genesis of American strength culture. Because, I mean, think about every big name in strength now. I mean, you can even look at, like, Dave Tate and Louis Simmons' crew and everybody that broke off from that world that came out of the Midwest. Like, they were just hardworking people. And they figured out how to apply it to strength discipline, right? Yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, I I think there was a lot of just... A lot of powerlifters, there were some bodybuilders, but I I remember as a kid seeing guys doing strongman stuff, you know, before it was really a thing. Um, But everyone just used to kind of train at the same gym, and there was really only, what's crazy now is like, to see what you guys have here, I think there's six platforms, right? And that's obviously all the power racks, but I mean, there was only typically one or two gyms in town where you could drop the weight. We drop any weights, you know, from overhead or deadlift or anything, where now it's like you go anywhere you go. I mean, a oh, lot yeah, of that's you from go. CrossFit with having the, the yeah. platform. You go to
0: LA Fitness now, though, yeah, and you have bumper it, plates sometimes. Yeah, Crunch,
2: they have, like, weightlifting I, platforms. I was at a Gold in, in California, like, last month, and they had really nice platforms, and I, I don't know if they had a Leco weights, but they're really nice-looking bumpers, where I'm like, oh, this is like you would have never seen this back in the day. So it's, it's cool to see with the way it's grown and progressed. Yeah.
1: To the credit of CrossFit, I mean, they definitely did – Probably more than any other hmm, strength s- sport discipline. I'm using that oh, term very sure. loosely to like put that in the public realm.
2: Because like, like now, sure.
1: like now it's adopted to everything. And you know, we talked about this before, but I think the CrossFit did a lot for for power, all the strength sports. Everything, right? Weightlifting. I mean, strongman. Undeniably, weightlifting, powerlifting, strongman. They all grew exponentially after the advent of CrossFit.
2: I mean, to to put in kind of perspective from a number, you know, member standpoint, when I was getting out of the sport, we had about four or 5,000 members. In USAW? In USAW. Today, I think they're over 30,000. Wow. Members now. And dude, did you and see these little freaks coming out of the woodwork? Like if they yeah. hadn't, if, if
1: it wasn't for that CrossFit era and the popularization, YouTube and Instagram and Facebook, like putting the message out there, essentially, like there's these little freaks. They come out of nowhere they're- and they're strong as shit. I mean, and now they're on the international stage, but mm. it was because there was kind of like a, like a. I don't know, pressure cooker of, like, information coming out. And people were like, oh, you could put how much weight over your head? And you weigh how much? Like, that's cool. Well, and a lot of them
0: get exposed to it through CrossFit, right? Like, their parents will put them in a CrossFit class. All of a sudden, someone takes notice because they're lifting a lot. They're like, oh, you have an aptitude for it. And then they switch to weightlifting
2: or powerlifting or whatever. I I told my dad this because we were – Mike Berner's in town doing one of the certifications. There was, like, 60 people there. And my dad came just to see – to see uh you know coach bergner and just talk and shoot the shit and my dad was like i don't know if this will like really like help weightlifting with getting some exposure i said but dad i said these aren't going to be your future weights it's going to be their kids yeah um because they all think this is you know they think it's cool and they've done it and so they want to expose their kids to it so i think there's some of that like happening as well because i just remember you know just coaching classes or doing seminars at crossfit gyms they're like oh, i can't wait to get my kids into this yeah and um it was weird where when i was coming up it was like no one really did it or wanted to do it or thought it was kind of weird <laughs> and yeah. so it actually kind of i think it in a way it kind of made it you know cool with the general you know population and it was just weird going to some of the CrossFit gyms to see, you know, people that are older and business professionals that are doing, like, full snatches. It's kind
1: of wild. Dude, it, you know what? Fitness has gone from, a like, a thing that sits on the outside to being a core part of everyone's life. Whether you're young, old, like, it's just part of the world now. And it's yeah. a central part of the world. It's like they've taken the third place in life, which is, like, a term that used to refer to, like, basically the church. Which, like, it still exists, but now people have the gym.
2: Yeah, it's become mm-hmm. such a
1: central part of the life. We used to find meaning and connection through potentially like a religious setting and now
2: it's like I go to the gym and that is almost the new church. Here's another thing too I was thinking about is um you know, weightlifting if you go to a meet, it's not even it's not typically spectator friendly. There's time in between attempts, right. you know, now they have all the different platforms going and it's gets it can be a little distracting, but it is social media friendly because everyone, it's the short clips. And so you can show like some crazy lifts and people are scrolling through. And so it, it's some of the views that you get on lifts is just it, the people get on lifts is insane. But I was like, mm-hmm. it is a custom made sport for that short <laughs> first where even if you yeah. think of the the bigger, you know, like obviously like football, you have to chop down and find a play, but like weightlifting, there's a ton of just a quick, you know, quick lifts that they just show in five seconds. Well, it's probably. Uh, sorry, go ahead.
0: Well, I was just going to say wh- how I started on social media. Like, I had Instagram before uh, I realized you could post weightlifting on it. And I didn't really care about it at all. I hardly used it. And then one time I just threw up one of my lifts and it got like a ton of like likes and I got a ton of followers from it. This was in like the early days of Instagram. Yeah. And I was like, oh, this is like. This is sport is like made for Instagram, oh, yeah. and then I just started posting everything after that, yeah. and just how
1: I grew a following. Yeah, I mean, there's probably there's probably more uh, eyeballs on the strength sports now. I mean, than ever before, obviously. But I, I at least in the world I live in, on the internet, like you see a lot more of that than like football or soccer, because like football is such a long form sport, soccer is yeah. such a long form sport that like it is really made for the guys sitting on their couch for three hours on a Sunday afternoon. Like, yeah. like with ESPN and you have the ESPN commentary. So you're never just like watching them like dick around on the field and talk no, to coaches. No, it's like crazy
0: graphics and. <laughs> yes, yeah, stats. <like> They're they, <laughs> they I mean, barking dude, at you. Yeah.
1: Football, they have statistics for literally everything. Like yeah. if, you, if you ever watched like a bar stool clip, like they can break down the stats of every player, how many times they've gotten drunk, like how many ex <laughs> girlfriends they have. Look, they're all shit. I'm like, how do they even know that? Yeah, it's like,
0: amazing. They have good research teams.
1: Yeah, I mean the the story behind the sports is cool, and and now you know football is kind of like off on its own. I don't I don't really watch football, but Not I feel right like either. yeah, powerlifting. Uh, you know, there's some strongman that's a little bit like Instagram friendly, but all that stuff is
2: is good on the internet because it brings people to the sport right oh for mm-hmm. sure no absolutely i mean it's great for exposure and you know people sharing the different clips so yeah i think it is kind of tailor-made for just short attention span Just people scrolling through the. it's kind of, of beautiful
1: lives. right like you watch like hook i i got hooked on the original like hook grip stuff and all mm-hmm. things gym and like watching the weightlifters back then when i first started looking at it in like 2014 2015 and they were just starting. Like, I remember Nat Aaron would just fly around back then. He's just, like, filming all these international yeah. lifters, right? Like, and it was, like, the successor to, like, the Iron Mind era. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it was. Like, a, all the digital VHS's. version. Yeah. Yeah, me too. I had the – well, I had them on DVD, the, the Ironmind ones. But I used to get the magazine too. Those were too. cool. Yeah. Those were cool. And they had the Grippers, the Captains of Crush.
2: Right? Oh, and they I, they it, had the one, two, and three. Mm-hmm. And um, – have you, ever, have you ever touched the four? It just makes you feel like a child. I don't, you know, so I'm trying to think. So I've been with Shane Hammond for like six months at the Olympic Training Center. So like he, the best super heavyweight U.S. lifter ever. Mm-hmm. Great power lifter, too, squat over 1,000 pounds. He, Did he? I, he could, Come on. 1,008. God. Yeah, he did... Um, Big boy. I, I want to say he closed the top tier one because uh, Randy and sent him some. He's like, see if you can close these. And he's like, all right, man, shoot, wow. I think I can. And he would just... <laughs> dun, I mean, and I would take both hands and just couldn't even get it to budge. I mean, even the, the um,
1: two
0: is pretty tough. Like...
1: I I never had much success with those. Like, I tried some of the ones that uh, Gigi made. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, I, yeah, we have
0: I, them here. He sent them.
1: Yeah, I just... <laughs> felt like such a baby.
0: I was like, I'm not doing this well, You know what uh, they ended up coming out with later on was the half. Uh, so the in between, you could get like the 1.5 and the 2.5. Uh-huh. And that made it a lot easier because <clears throat> the way they had it before with the 1, 2, 3, and 4, it was like essentially just throwing on another plate per side. Yeah. So like if your max was, you know, three plates, it's like, all right, well, now try four. And it's like, well, that's not an easy progression to do.
1: Uh <laughs> yeah, grip strength is a weird weird finicky thing
0: it's also i remember messing around with those and you don't think about it like training the way you would the rest of your body which is kind of problematic because it's so easy to over train that yeah i remember messing myself up a couple of times because i would just sit there crushing them <laughs> watching tv and then i'd be like oh man i think i have rabbed up. i had a <laughs> i had a really
2: i had a really weak grip so i actually had to train it and do pinch grip walks and i i remember going to home depot and putting that filling up with sand and having to, I would Dude, reach oh, in and have yeah. the the sand, and I mean it helped a ton. Um, that means my hands would get so torn up, but I would, you know, was having trouble actually making lifts. But I got my points, and my hands were so strong that I could still hold on when they were tearing. But I, unfortunately, I didn't learn that to like the tail end. I'm like, hey I probably am missing <laughs> some of these these snatches because I can't hold on to the damn bar because uh, my my grip's so weak. So
0: I just had I had a problem because my hands are pretty small, so I didn't have like uh like for me to hook grip it was really difficult to like,
1: yeah, I got oh, it, short gums In
0: like, cl- clean. It wasn't, but in snatch, when you're like out there like that, yeah, and your yeah. hands are a
1: little
2: angled, that was tough for me. So like, where did your weightlifting career take you? Um, I mean, as, as far as afterwards or just at the, no, the just, I mean, of like, a,
1: you know, you were a weightlifter before it was cool to be a weightlifter. So like, you know, following the footsteps of
2: your dad, like where did it take you? Yeah. I mean, I guess like kind of, the last yeah i mean the talent i competed at the olympic trials in 2008 and um oh, i cool. think i was ended up in about the top five or so but we only had to end up with a two-man team yeah so i mean typically any other the years kind of prior to 2000 whether the bigger numbers i you know would have made a, a team and then um, i ended up getting you know, I think I medaled to Pan Ams that year as well. Oh shit. And then um That's impressive. I ended up getting resume. Yeah, I ended up getting out of the sport because I was at I, I had one goal left where I was like, all right, I, I wanted to compete in the worlds, I wanted to get a medal out of Pan Ams. Um I just wanted to make the Olympic an Olympic team. And I kind of saw the handwriting on the wall to say, hey, here's who's in the sport in 08. In um it's not likely that we're gonna get more than a one-man team in twelve and sixteen. And yeah. I, I'm very you know, with my ability, I'm very realistic. Where I was like, I didn't see myself beating out Kendrick Ferris, considering we're lifting the same. He's light class, weight class lighter, and yeah. I had trained with him a little bit and came up with in the sport. There's just there's levels to, to it, and I was like, yeah, I don't I don't see it for me. The way I'm feeling in training, I had a partially torn quad too. I was like, I, I see the handwriting on the wall. I think it's time to just hey, I'm young. I could probably still have it. So I had some meats left in me, but I was like, it's time to move on. And hindsight looking back it's like kendrick was the only olympian in 12 you know big number 16 he's the only olympian so i'm like all right like i'm i'm good i'm, I'm happy with what i accomplished and um i mean really though um the relationships i built from it you know with that's why well, I'm, I'm here meeting you fernando mm-hmm. and just most of the people that i talk to it has some sort of weird random connection with you know with weightlifting. um so like even kinda of through like one of my business partners now through and kinda of new, like yeah, actually through weightlifting, through like a gym, then through through CrossFit too. So um it, it's made a big impact in my life. So I was like I think it just from the relationship building standpoint, I think it's pretty it's pretty awesome to think about.
1: So what did you get into after you were done? And like I, I just kinda I want people to because we 'cause we're gonna get to like the current Yeah
2: yeah, like yeah for like sure. Environment yeah. Environment that
1: you work in, but like I wanna
2: hear the, the Yeah. The no, story I'll kinda, between I can kinda break out Yeah. So after I, once I got out of weightlifting, wasn't, uh, you know, obviously broke, um, didn't have my college degree yet. So I said, all right, it's it's time to just wrap up school. And I think I had about 50-something credits left, and I just, I banged it out in a year. Oof. I was like, all right, I'm done. And then, it, this was in 09 and it was the worst one of the worst job markets oh, there had yeah. been. And I remember Oof. applying to like a hundred places. Going, everyone I know, I couldn't get a job anywhere. I ended up taking a job at, at enterprise around a car it was the only place hiring. So I, I ran <laughs> the cars out for two years, um, worked at the airport, which was awful. But, um, what'd you do at the airport? Like, um, TSA line. So we did, uh, <laughs> no, so I was actually at the, t- I was at the ticket at the desk, like in the baggage there's in the St. Louis airport, there's like a baggage claim desk. So okay. I worked at the desk and then I did the, like the check on you do rotation. So you just kind of rotate around. Um, so <laughs> not like, I, I think I was desperate for, I was like, Hey, I need a paycheck. Um, and so, so I was like, all right, I'll do it. And it, looking back at it now, I'm like, Doing that and washing cars in the oh. summer. Then you wash your cars in the suit. You're not making shit for money. I think I was making 28 grand my first year working there. Nice. But But like, looking back, I was like, the next thing you do after that, it's like, anything's going to be better than that. Um, but a lot of times you ask, like, I have a college degree. Why am I doing this? And you have people treating you like, shit. I worked in the one of the branches I was at. It was a horrible area. The cars would come back with drugs bullet holes the the (laughs) cops would be there we had fbi would come in and look at the cars there was someone people killed in the cars there's create i have so many crazy stories from from working there maybe one of your friends yeah so um (laughs) i could do a whole podcast on that but um no after that then um i got a job at a tech large technology company about ten thousand employees where i actually still work now and i've been there over 10 years um so i still do that um and Where is that? That it's so our headquarter the global headquarters is actually based out of St. Louis, but there's offices all over. There's offices here in Miami. It comes to a worldwide technology, um, and so had worked kind of on the supply chain side, then moved my way kind of into the procurement and contract space, like support like government accounts, um, so we're like the pub, all the public sector accounts. So I've been there a while, and I, I really enjoy it. That's why I haven't haven't left. Um, and then yeah, and then about six years ago. I also, we opened, me and my dad opened a uh, hormone replacement clinic, hormone optimization clinic, whatever you What was you he doing it. before that? So before that, he was, um, he was working for one of the universities mm-hmm. and then he had like a private, small private practice too that he had sold. And then um, he was working at one of the universities in town and then um, he still kind of kept doing that part-time and still does that now. And then, um, yeah, and then we opened up the clinic about six years ago. Started off super slow. I mean, it's a, we're in a... We, we actually have a physical location. It's in a um, it's in a well, like a bit like a medical plaza. Place mm-hmm. super cheap rent there, but it, it really was slow the first couple of years. Um, then once you know, really where our business took off there is when COVID hit, and some of the regulations surrounding telemedicine opened up, and it, I think people actually were okay with seeing their doctors through you know through video conferencing. So was that a challenge before? Yeah, I mean, it was kind of, I think it was a little bit foreign for a lot of people to, to not take that trip and go into the doctor's office. Then also, too, I mean, a lot of the states, you could not prescribe controlled substances without an in-person exam. Um, once COVID hit, you know, there was already federal legislation in place that allowed telemedicine for controlled substances like testosterone. But they, um, you know, once COVID hit... They kind of fast, it fast tracked everything. I think things would have got there. But once COVID hit, a lot of the states too were even doing um, temporary waivers for, you could just legit send it, like Pennsylvania, you send an email to their board and say, hey, I want to prescribe, you know, to Pennsylvania patients. They're like, cool. Like, they're <laughs> like, but eventually those, those ended. But uh, what I did instead of just relying on those waivers, I said, hey, I'm going to invest in you know i'm going to add some more prescribing docs i'm going to invest in licensing and so we were initially only seeing missouri patients then i piloted it in uh, texas california mm-hmm. then added florida and then we added about 20 some more states and now we're at we do 46 there's a few states we're not licensed yet that's pending but Is we the have 46 now um so i initially tried to do it myself And then and work with the doctors on it and i'm like i don't have time for this and there's a like consulting there's licensing agencies you can use so they may charge like a thousand per license and then some states it could be anywhere between two to four grand then there's renewals and there's some like continuing ed credit so yeah yeah, it it can you know like i think the last we were kind of doubling tripling up in some of the states like i just did five states recently like it's 20 grand is what it hit us at with playing the agency so yeah it can add up for sure so like one of the reasons I really want to come in today is just to talk to you about the background
1: of what HRT clinics do, like mm-hmm. uh, their place in the landscape of, of healthcare as it is like now heading into 2023. You kind of break down some of the taboo behind it because I think that there's a lot of obfuscation say it nicely sure. right like against this side of things i i feel like it's just very misunderstood in terms of uh, people's perception of its place in the medical world and how like you know you hear like uh ah, testosterone right and you immediately go to ah, this guy's on steroids and all this stuff and I, I think that there's a bit of a misconception so like could you tell us in your own words like how you view it and like what the medical rationale is for this type of yeah of, like who's yeah. a
2: who's a candidate a proper yeah. candidate yeah I mean I'll kind of start with your question Marcus but I mean the the a lot of time you're, you're correct i mean testosterone gets lumped in with all the other anabolics and people don't make the delineation that you know testosterone is a hormone that the body produces so that the testosterone be prescribed is bioidentical to the the body so they're not taking you know we're not like you're looking for substances that the body doesn't produce and putting in so i think that's where some of the taboo where everyone says hey you know testosterone they'll lump it in with all these other um you know anabolic steroids and then also too i mean from a medical community standpoint i mean Typically, it's not something that's being taught in medical school. A lot of doctors, a lot of it's continuing ed, uh, where this stuff, you know, can you learn? I mean, granted, like some endocrinologists learn about interpreting blood work numbers, not most, as much learned from a prescribing Most GPs don't standpoint.
1: know their fucking ass from their hand when it comes. Like you start to yeah. say that, say the word hormones, men, they don't know anything. Women, they know less than nothing.
2: Yeah. And, and, and I feel thing.
1: like that's a huge hole in the and medical and system. And they're
2: trained to, you know, well, they'll, they'll go off those lab ranges and, you know, what does LabCorp say? What does Quest say? Yeah, or some like other labs. And it's... 200 you know, yeah, to 900? Yeah, I mean, they'll like say... That. Yeah, or, or sometimes like, I've seen 200 to 1,100 even, and they'll say that's a normal range, which is, you know, vastly different, Two different obviously, worlds. With, how you, you yeah. know, with how you feel. I mean, I, I've i been at lowest 300 and gotten over 1,000. So I know that's night and day difference as far as how you feel and function on a daily basis. Um, But, yeah, I mean, I think a lot of the that negative stigma comes from the, you know... They lump it in with steroids. They'll say, hey, these are just steroid clinics. So even when, we, when I first opened the clinic, even some of my close friends would be like, how's your steroid clinic doing? Um, or like, how's your dick pill clinic doing? It, it was just like <laughs> negative stuff. because, But some of that too, I think, from the the industry kind of did it to itself with how some of the places are promoting, um, yeah. in my opinion. And, and you'll see, I mean, a lot of this originated in Florida. Oh, right? because okay. at Probably one point, here in Miami.
0: At Wild one West. point
2: within a... I think it was within a fifty mile radius of here. There was over two hundred. Uh, this is when I checked. This is years ago too. There was over two hundred hormone specific clinics or hormone optimization or TRT I, clinics. I got
0: um, <clears throat> I got referred to somebody for PRP injections, mm-hmm. uh, just through somebody who I knew, and I went to the clinic. It turned out the clinic was uh, uh, an HRT clinic, and uh, I didn't know that going in. I just thought I was going into like you know. yeah whatever to get prp and i'm sitting there and there's just like all these 40 year old dudes that are way too jacked (laughs) and i'm like what the hell is going on here (laughs) and then eventually i clued in and when i was in the doctor's office he goes he just asked me if i needed anything i was like what do you mean he was like "Uh, growth hormone you know uh anivar like just offering Whoa. it to me yeah and i i have since switched to doctors he <laughs> <It was>, a... <laughs> didn't seem like he was running the the tightest
2: ship but there's a place here locally um amanda sent me a picture of like it looked like it used to be a hotel and it's a hormone clinic now and there's a big sign oh my on my it, God, it's, it right says there. it's on 29th <laughs> um, really? I, I wish I could pull the picture. I don't I know what place. I think there's off. a place but, like right
1: here that looks like but that. it. But I
2: mean, I think of the sign. It says growth hormone big letters. See, see you can find um, it, George. And it, it had to be it looks like it used to be a hotel for sure. And she sent it to me on my call. A nice dude, hotel. Shit. Not a nice hotel. Um <laughs> Oh, like like one jeep ran out the room by the hour. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. Actually, there's so many of those here. Okay, it <laughs> might be it might be this one. Is yeah, it? that's that's the one I'm thinking. You got to look at their door. Uh, I think have it, but the, she had sent me a picture of the door. Uh, Google Street like, me, baby, let's go. But like, oh, this it, is right here. Yeah, yeah, it's on twenty. This is I, I
0: drive by this every day.
2: Well, like you know, the promo car is key. Like <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah. they got, this is some good protocol. <laughs> they, they got, got the baby range out yeah. Oh
0: man, is that
1: hormone, even a sport or is
2: that like a? It just evoke? says
1: hormone and testosterone therapy with the racing the one, stripes.
2: I, I, there's one that said growth hormone on the door. That's probably, has, da- this it's probably is down this, the street. This is, I think this is the one though. Cause there's, there's one that
1: was like at the bottom of the old condo building I lived in that was like similar like, to that. Oh yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah. So
2: think about like if you're going to your, like your orthopedic surgeon or other physician like are they using promo cars? like, <laughs> re- like really like right. I, I think that's where some of that st- maybe in miami yeah, but, that's uh, you know in the midwest like we don't see that type of shit unless it's a trt clinic they'll have like a Promo car and I'm like I I think that's where some of it's saying hey it kind of um you know makes it look less legitimate when you're promoting I think in that manner or there's other things too I can well, kind like of get the, into but
1: one of the gyms I have a membership at that I train at a lot down here it's called Elevation and uh or, or I, I s-
2: is a trainer <laughs> oh, yeah I know yeah I know all about it no they just I would were, every
1: once in a while I'd see a doctor and this is we haven't even told the there's probably the 50th time I could tell that story of the got Hormone Clinic, but <laughs> that's for another segment of this show. Uh, there would be like a guy. I think he runs like a like a HRT clinic, but like when you see him, he grows up with the hot chicks, and he's in a Ferrari and skin tight pants, and he's got <laughs> slick back hair. And I'm like, I don't want you giving me your medical opinion. You know, like, <laughs> I don't trust you. Yeah, you've invested all your money in the car. Yeah, and like. You look too salesy. Yeah, I'm like, what are you? What are you gonna give me here? Doesn't eh, I don't or, I don't trust this. They,
2: they, there's some clinics too. They have on their website their owner will have their shirt off, like with their older guys with their ripped. And I'm, I'm like, not.
0: I'm not only I, the owner. I'm also a client. Yeah, it's just
2: it's just weird. Wait, what? Yeah, it's <laughs> just a little weird to me. Like with their, like having their clinical director on there with this yeah. shirt off on the yeah. beach. Um, but and so I think that's where some of the general population may see that and kind of shy away well, from I it a little th- bit. I do think it puts a black eye on the industry. Oh, for and it sure. takes away from like the efficacy of the actual thing that you're trying to do, right? Yeah. No, I, I absolutely. I I mean, I think you're always trying to combat that where we had a lot of a lot of our successes come from doing things like this or really getting my dad on the podcast and kind of talking through it and they're like, "Hey, he's not a snake oil salesman, he's just he's a straight shooter and kind of explain the medical benefits and health benefits of this and it's not just about getting, you know, jacked. Um, that there's some oh. other benefits as well. Oh my god,
0: that's actually uh, on their website. Is that? A... Oh come on. That's the place right down the street. Oh come on, look at that guy. He's jabbing himself. You can't
1: do that. <laughs> I won't say why, but you can't do that. He
0: used he used the they used the AI uh art thing. I mean, there looks like a lot of.
1: Oh my. That thing looks pretty full too. I, I mean, would... that's more than a CC. <laughs> that's like he's got like a full three in there. <laughs> Oh, my God. He does. And, like, he's standing up while doing it. Dude. Well. You're not going to have a good day. Um, (laughs) But this is is what people think of, right?
2: Yeah. It's weird. That's what people – that guy, he's going to go shoot an OnlyFans video in 10 minutes. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, I do think, you know, there is combating some of this. But I think now there's, you know, there are a lot of reputable clinics out there um, that are – let's just say promoting more tastefully, uh, mm-hmm. which I think is helping the industry. But what about solve.
1: scientifically?
2: Like, how do you guys combat? All right, so like, this is the misinformation thing. Like,
1: this is the, when you tell people about this, like, imagine you say, like, I run an HRT clinic and they think of, you know, Dr. Fabio injecting, you know, sure. three CCs into his ass cheek. Like, that's not the message. And that's, honestly, that's, this is a bad representation of like the type of client that would typically need this type of thing. It's like, you guys aren't, I'm assuming you're not necessarily selling to the bodybuilding crowd. Like you're, there is a medical purpose sure. behind what you do, and I want I want to talk about
2: that. Yeah, I mean, we do have I don't want to like we do have some pro bodybuilders as, as patients fine, fine, and fine, things, fine, but... but it's not um you know a lot of us for blood work. Moder- a lot of the ones that we do have actually take a lot less stuff than some of the other pros, and they're actually more concerned about their health purposes. So I would say they're more on the mild side. So I don't want to say we don't treat any bodybuilders, but I mean the, the key is we're not looking for super physio. Lot you know getting. People to super physiological levels. I mean, we're, we're essentially all we're trying to do is look to say hey, what's been lost over the year from a hormonal standpoint, and let's get you know let's get that the levels optimal. So not we're not going to put a level of hormones into the body that typically that body has never seen before at some point in their life, and so th- that's where the you know I think that delineation needs to be made as far as it's not super physiological doses, and then you know testosterone. I think a lot of people immediately think you know, it's going to help build muscle, which it does. Um, it's also going to help with libido, which it does, but there's other benefits as well too. I mean, from, you know, from heart health as well, because one of the, I think one of the misconceptions too, with testosterone, when you take testosterone, we know that your est- estrogen levels go up, your estradiol levels go up. So that has a lot of benefits from a, you know, a circulatory standpoint as well as, you know, heart health. And there's even new research now. And, and this is interesting. I, I have a friend who's a you know harvard trained cardiologists and there'll be some of the car- there's cardiologists out there that are against some are against the testosterone treatment but he's like well no like actually all the evidence of research now points in the other direction that it's actually better for heart health there's more research showing that lower testosterone levels would lead to more heart issues potentially in the future so not only you know and that's just you know some of the benefits and i'm not even kind of getting into you know some of the benefits also with mental health as well Mm-hmm. it can have some benefits with and i don't this is my kind of opinion on the mental health side of things is i think if you take someone with low energy, low libido, you're going to be happy? Oh, Typically well. not. So like if we fix that, if we fix that, then a lot of times they're like hey, they're moving a little bit more, they're having sex again maybe and their dick's working and then they're gonna be uh or, or for female too, getting their libido as well. Sorry, I don't want to just focus on men. But um I that a lot of times will fix the that'll fix the depression in itself. Um it's not necessarily saying, hey, there's you know, from a serotonin standpoint or something along those lines, but we, we have a lot of people will come to us and say, hey, I'm on ssris i'm looking to get off of them or on benzodiazepines um, and looking for other options because they know someone or read someone that had some success but i think a lot of it just has to do with you know those reasons there i said low energy low libido does lead to depression and you know, especially like sometimes guys in their 30s, it's not a way to go through life, especially that phase. Yeah. So mm-hmm. fixing that with the testosterone, you know, will help cr- increase the libido, usually within three to four weeks. And then also from an energy standpoint, a little easier to get up in the morning by about the third or fourth week after st- week after starting. Then from there, I would say once you get more to six weeks is where you're going to see more of the sustainable energy throughout the day. Um, then from there, you may see body composition changes, some of the other benefits. And, and
1: really like the mission of your clinic and i'm assuming like legitimate hrt clinics is to i don't want to say counteract but you're almost f- working against nature in a way where like the male bo- yeah, so probably
0: why a lot of them call
1: sorry but probably why a lot of them call themselves anti-aging
0: clinics too right yeah so like
1: at the male body at what point as a man does your natural
2: testosterone production start to wane yeah i mean it, it, it's going to depend i mean I, i'd say typically okay. it's not till not till past 30 will you start seeing that number decreasing, but I would say it's not completely uncommon where we would see, you know, upper twenties at times it could start decreasing. Everyone's going to be a little bit different. And there's, there's a lot of theories out there to say with the way we, you know, currently live that people are more sedentary or there's, things out there you read with the plastics affect the hormones and there's a lot of, of theories that are out there um but yeah I mean it's really going to I mean to answer your question though it's going to depend on the the individual you can see it younger some I mean we'll have some guys go get their blood check that are in their 40s or 50s that's still pretty high levels then versus we may see someone in the upper 20s so it's going to depend on the the individual uh, you know as far as I go obviously we all know as we get as you get past 30 you're losing some percentage points every year um as you age so you are fighting a you know a losing battle in in that sense it's just how fast will you decline is kind of the question and so the
1: mission i'm guessing is to like counteract and right the ship but not to the level where you're like turning a, a a small boat into the titanic for lack of a better metaphor
2: yeah i mean really it's you're looking at the from a dosing standpoint i mean it's a sustainable dose that you could stay on you know indefinitely um, is really what the, you know, what the goal is. I mean, it could change slightly, you know, where the course of, of time, but yeah, typically that's where it's kind of meant to be. I mean, you could, the, that's why a lot of people say, well, when I start this, do I, you know, do I have to stay on it forever? so i mean to answer that can you yes i mean if you're not having any of the you know if there's no side effects you're feeling good blood markers you know all look good yeah you could stay on it indefinitely um but there's some people who say well can i stop and it, you'll one of the biggest stigmas i think that's incorrect is a lot of times you'll see that they'll say once you start you're on it forever mm-hmm. um, i see like the comments and stuff in like on different videos of stuff and they're like oh well he's better he's got to be on it forever like you don't necessarily there's just a right way and wrong way to stop I mean, as far as you do want to take like HCG, something to stimulate natural production, and you can read all the research articles you want, but we have definitive proof to say, hey, once someone does stop treatment... Um, because we have an idea where their levels are. We know where their baseline was at. We know where the testosterone at the level to. Then also when they stop treatment and they take an HCG and then later down the road, they'll want to come in. Eventually your, your system can kind of kickstart its own again. It just takes longer without inducing it through HCG, which is going you know, to stimulate luteinizing hormone. going to stimulate your testes and produce some of its own testosterone. Um, typically what we see is that number is around from a total testosterone, free testosterone standpoint. It's around that same number of what, brought the patient into us, you know, where they were having some symptoms of the the low testosterone. What are some some reasons why somebody would stop treatment? Yeah. I mean, there's some patients that may, if they're um, like hematocrit or hemoglobin levels, you know, get a little bit high. Um, I would say typically though, that can be combated with lowering the dose, splitting the dose. Um, Yeah. That could happen, but it's pretty rare. I would say where someone's having some sort of Adverse reaction, and there's some occasion people have um, reactions to the carrier oil, um, their, oh, yeah, see. or the ester. Um, that can happen as well. we you know, maybe we're just then switching to, you know, a cream or something of that nature. But yeah, those are, I mean, those are a couple of the the instances that we might see. Yeah,
1: and I feel like this is as the conversation evolves in the public space, and I think as let's say the generation above mine you know i'm 31 uh like my my dad for instance is a great example he's like 63 the guy bikes like 200 miles a week he's a maniac still and i'm like dad when's the last time you got your blood test done he's like i just had it done and i was like tell me when you know when he did it five years ago 30 years ago and he was trying to have me as a child right, right? like <laughs> that's, that's
0: him just having he's like i done. have high testosterone and i'm just
1: like well how do you know He was like when's the last time you got your blood work done and he's like i just had it done and literally 30 plus years and like he refuses to go and talk like i just don't like to, i'm trying to tell him in like a constructive way like right. they're at your age you're not trying to have kids you're not like, all you're doing is trying to have more energy and, you know, maybe body recomposition, whatever it is. Like, there's no downside to the conversation, but I feel like his resistance is indicative of, like, a mindset that was a generation above ours. And, like, I don't know I how think, to... I think even
0: in the outside of fitness, it's in our generation as well. Like, a lot of people, I think, have that, that same stigma. They, don't, they, they really cling to that wanting to, like, be natural always yeah um and i don't know why, why that is maybe just because this is novel and then it's it, 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 like they have to be sort of
2: acclimated to it but I, I think a lot of it is i actually wanted to bring this point up too because that's one thing that's been interesting where when we initially opened i thought I, even in my i thought i was like this is kind of for old men i was like i don't, I don't think it's something that i was like I, i'm thinking you know over 50 that's where most of our patients are going to be but kinda of, you kinda of hit on a little bit, Hayden, where I think our generation we are spending more time on social media. There's more awareness about it than ever before. Cause even, you know, you see whether it be fitness influencers or people are, you know, that were professional athletes that get on it. So I think we're a little more, you know, we see it a little bit more and hear about it more and probably a little more educated about it where, you know, in that sixties, if you're like, well, I'm not taking the testosterone. And that's where that mindset of like they're lumping it in with all the other anabolics. Um, Mm -hmm. and I don't think they have the the same level of, of understanding, um, either. Well, from your position, could you like
1: clearly delineate that for people listening? Cause like this is, I have a huge chip on my shoulder about this topic because it just doesn't get talked about. And then it doesn't get talked about. And then suddenly a guy like Liver King comes around claiming that he's never touched the stuff in his life. And, you know, turns out he's, he's got the entire fucking menu on his diet. Mm-hmm. Like, Even
0: now he's claiming that he only does TRT, which I think adds to the stigma, right? Because like, this yeah. guy is on TRT. Here's it's called
2: I- balone replacement <laughs> yeah, therapy. This is what... Um, <laughs> I, I, this is what i think is happening now too in just the fitness industry i think the the guys that are they're saying they're on a ton of shit and the the new natural is just saying oh, yeah, just TRT.
0: It's trt i'm just T- doing dose. trt
2: yeah. um which is extremely misleading but I, I think that's where the pendulum's kind of shifting towards is the the new natural and if everyone does look bigger jack they're just going to say well i'm just doing trt and you know a therapeutic dose trt can't put some muscle size on but in most cases i can kind of tell you firsthand that people are taking you know additional right but <laughs> additional I, I wanted things. you to say
1: in your own um, words because like you're an authority in this space now what is the difference between what you guys consider and call treatment right which is replacing the body's natural level of testosterone mm-hmm. And that fucking menu of drugs, <laughs> yeah. Because there's a difference, right? Like calling testosterone, like oh, he's taking steroids, is not the same as looking at this and saying he's taking steroids.
2: Right. Yeah, yeah. There's a there's a lot to unpack there, um, but
1: just like on a, on a the list surface you know, but level, like I, I, yeah. Yeah,
2: I mean, I I think that's where. Yeah, I mean, I and I wanted to use this analogy a little bit earlier, but what people need, I mean, like if I the you probably know people who take thyroid medication, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, my mom does. She's mine too. She's, yeah, she's had thyroid issues her whole life. But why does she take it? Why does she take it? Yeah, well, because her thyroid doesn't work. Right, it's def- deficient. De- yeah, there's a deficiency, glandular a- deficiency, also a hormone sure. where we look at some of the other hormones that are deficient too. That. There's kind of people don't view it as the same, put it in the same bucket. So I, I think that was kind of that I use that analogy works really well with people that are you know not overly familiar with it. I'm like, well, like, do you know anyone that takes thyroid medicine? Like, yeah, I'm like, well, why do they take? It? That's what I asked them. I said, it, it's really not any different. I said, we're really just trying to elevate that level. If it's dropped some, you you would really, it's very similar. It's the exact same concept of what you're trying to do. Um, I think that's kind of the message. That's a message I like like to drive home with people. But, you know, I think to answer your question as far as this goes, I mean, this is just, I mean, that list, I mean, he's going for that's super physiological, you know, uh, uh, levels of growth hormone, the IGF. I mean, it's a it's a pretty long menu of things. And I, I kind of question it, too, where it's probably wasting a lot of money because. So, you know, some of those compounds people don't oh, don't respond very well to. I mean, I think you always want to take a pragmatic approach when you're adding, let's say you are adding something to your protocol. You want to do it once at a time, one thing at a time. You don't start with 10 things because some of those things, you just may not be a responder for it. And so even I did, um, I actually did listen to this on the flight here. I listened to some of the, the podcasts and read some of the emails and looked uh, through your episode and, of it. Uh, of, or, I, I watched yours and I watched this. And so, I, I think, um, you know, as far as like, that's where you're throwing all these different things, and you could tell he's confused because he doesn't really know what's working, he doesn't know what's doing what. Right. Um, you know, you have the abutamorin that's going to increase. You know, it's a basically a, a oral form of a secretagogue. It's going to increase ghrelin, and you have the CJC with epamorelin and secretagogue. And he's taking the IGF one. I don't. I don't. I never saw the dosing on that. I'd be curious. Um, $11,000 a month worth. Yeah, I mean, I I questioned that initially, but once I heard it was four vials a week at 5.8 milligrams, I mean, that is essentially, he's taken, you know, let's say someone were to get prescribed, you know, HGH, whether it be Omnitrope, Nordotrope, Somatropin, whatever it may be, um, you're really looking at a therapeutic level dose, maybe 800 to 1200 bucks ballpark, maybe a little higher depending on what the markup is. So, you know, he's taken, you know, obviously significantly more than that, almost 10 times what a therapeutic dose would what, be. It, which, what does your
0: body naturally produce? Is it about one?
2: I don't know what it comes out to. I mean, everyone's a little bit different as far as that goes. But this, um, yeah, and I, and I think he started, from my understanding, is he started all this at once, too. Um, that's I, I that's think not a just, good
0: experiment. Yeah,
2: and, and I there's a lot <laughs> he's of He's not things. a less is more yeah. type guy.
1: <laughs> He's a he's I, a more, is I more hope I, type Did
2: I answer thing. your question?
1: No. Okay. No, we, we got <laughs> sidetracked to this, but I this, you know, it's it's I think it's an important question because I think there's a lot of misconception. Like, for example, I talked to my dad, says, I'm not taking that stuff, steroids. Like, yeah. Dad, I, there there is a educational divide between the conversation you guys would have with the patient and the general population's understanding of what treatment is. So I just wanted you to tell our audience in your own words, because I feel like this is a very valuable thing to discuss in the public space, doesn't get talked about, it's taboo, then all of a sudden you have these dickheads in the news and they ruin the conversation because we're not talking about facts. What is the difference between treatment when it comes to TRT and what people would broadly consider steroids? And I think that there is two buckets. TRT bucket, which to me just has TRT and then everything else. And I just wanted you to explain to people what the difference is.
2: Yeah. And so I I think there's two different goals where, I mean, one's for health optimization and longevity with the other one just being for whether it be aesthetics or other goals where you know obviously those those aren't the goals and to live a long time to look a certain way so i think that's where you have to distinguish it what the goal is i mean if the goal is for health optimization or if it's just for aesthetics or whatever other goal like force production yeah whatever other goal you know it, it it may be so yeah, hopefully I'm kind of getting there. <laughs> answered yeah. but yeah, I mean, I, I think that that's really the best way to to delineate it. Because um, there's it, testosterone
1: just... and there's like a, a bucket, like a like a Olympic sized swimming pool of other shit that gets sure. the two get lumped in. Well, each yeah, other.
0: <clears throat> but do you uh, prescribe things other than testosterone? We do. And so yeah. uh, what we, what we are do? Those?
2: Um, but yeah, I mean, I think I kind of touched on that earlier, though, with the difference between the testosterone and some of the anabolics, where you know the anabolics, the the androgens are. They don't mirror what the body produces, so it's basically made in a the lab. They're taking the molecules, and moving around. Now, now it's similar. Like, uh, you look at the molecule for anabar versus nandrol and testosterone. It's not. There's not a huge difference. And I look, but it is something that the body does not produce, which does come with some, you know, some potential side effects. You so know, as that, well, that's the to me that's the big yeah. takeaway. Because like I knew the answer, but I just wanted yeah, to hear you. Explain those it. are those are short term solutions to I mean to a problem if you want to look into build muscle quick it's not stuff that you could stay on ultimately indefinitely nor would you want to I mean it would lead to some potential issues um I think it's very important to clear that up yeah I think it's important to
1: to if we're going to have the discussion in this space on what is TRT it's first important to delineate what we've already talked about like health benefits like there is a medical reason right like now I don't want to go down the rabbit hole of like its application and bodybuilding and powerlifting and weightlifting right. because it's used for other reasons there. Fine. That's a discussion in and of itself. But for the general population, for like to me, like I just I think about it like, OK, how could I help my dad live a longer, mm-hmm. healthier life, a more optimal life? I should say he's a grumpy old fuck as do it you is. F- yeah. do you
0: feel that that generation is there's also like uh a- it's not even that there's a stigma. It's just like, I don't know. It's almost like they're, they're, they're being less of a man by needing yeah, the help or something. They're all thinking, I like, don't need that shit. There's oh, yeah. such like a hardened, yeah. like, like I've talked to my dad about it before. He's just like, nah, like don't need <laughs> it.
1: I'm like, but you'd feel better. And he's like, nah. Well, yeah. it's like, imagine you had a car and it had old shitty cloth seats. You're like, dad, wouldn't it be nicer to have a car that had like
2: nice clean leather seats? nah um, that's for pussies yeah i like my truck <laughs> <laughs> yeah i, I do I, I see that sometimes as well where they're like I, they do feel like they're less of a man if they have to take the testosterone and i mean that is where that comes from is the it's sports because they have this you know they'll look at the athletes that are testing positive and they're like well mm-hmm. oh, why they have to do that? i think that's where some of the black eye comes from if you look at like major league baseball some of the scales yeah, like i a, think that's where a lot of that negative connotation comes too with that generation
1: hold the phone greatest american pastime aside from baseball what is it that probably i mean i'm guessing papa mike watches it my dad watches (laughs) it every week football football right if you're telling me that the greatest american pastime is not fueled by needles and syringes and pills (laughs) full of god knows what look at those dudes
2: yeah well you know they don't they don't blood test i know i know they don't but i've been telling my dad for years the penalties
1: are
0: not that bad yeah, right i think it it's like a naughty boy it's like a few games and and you lose whatever the equivalent pay is to the percentage of what your contract yeah. would have been for those games or something and, like
2: and that And there's you know there's a they have a there's a consultant that the nfl players association uses um who's a biostatistician from texas who he's familiar with the wow. testing basically you get one freebie you get
0: one freebie in that <laughs> um, first offenders have to participate in the NFL's drug program you got caught <laughs> second now we're and telling third time offenders are facing fines equal <laughs> to two or and four games respectively so how do they even test for
2: growth hormone? A blood test. So there's P- definitely Pat testing kind, for that. Yeah, there, there's two ways. That there's, was intentional. At that point. <laughs> they can delineate through um, basically the weight, the synthetic versus natural ways differently. So they will compare the weight, and then there's so there's two kits. They split out to two kits when they test it. One's basically like a weight ratio test. Another one, I would say, it's something a it it. it, it can tell if there's exogenous use, and then they'll basically look at both those kits, and then come to an answer. There, the margin of error is too great, though, which is why the, the consultant that they use, the, the biostatistician, um, I've talked to him a few times. I won't use his name, but he he basically will, you know, he's on board with them, and he has the players' association. It's like, hey, there's too big of a margin of error where they won't sign up for the test yet. Um, I would have to agree with them from some of the like data that I've seen um from you know from hgh like from some of the positives and things like i think there's the margin of error between the a kit and the or i'm sorry the a sample and the b sample it's very vast and they say there's and it's outside of what they claim the margin of error is like from a wada standpoint Um, that's kind of information i know some people don't have access to but um yeah i don't foresee them in the near future testing for it
1: right but this is this is like the pinnacle of american sporting and everyone in that generation, the same generation that would refuse to acknowledge that perhaps they could live a more uh, fulfilled life. they uh, And like everyone, everybody, every strata of young to old man, men and women, I mean, this is it, right? And they're idolizing 260-pound dudes that can, you know, sprint at ungodly levels and take impact that is just completely unnatural every single week for a decade. And I, I just... I, I think this is like the elephant in the room.
0: But I think that it still goes back to that, that same thing we were talking about where <clears throat> these are athletes who are doing supernatural doses of stuff to get supernatural results, right? Whereas, But they claim that they're not. Well, yeah. Right, but but and, parents are just hard-headed.
1: But the general population, right? if you were to say, I want you to go pick out your five favorite NFL running backs – I want you to put them up. I want you to put their stats, their body weight, their body fat percentages. I want you to put a picture of them, torso up, on a screen. And I want you to tell me if you think they're natural or not. If you were to ask that general population sample about that, what do you think that they would say? I think think they don't want to believe (laughs) it. Well, I think framed like that, you're going to get... No, no, I mean, some like, questions
0: but yeah i think i get think what i'm saying yeah right? the general public thinks that these guys are probably tested quite rigorously and and are not
2: i, I don't think there's much transparency with the frequency of test or who's getting tested. like if you look at the you know the program the ufc has with usada where there's a lot of transparency there. you can run a same with uh, olympic sports you can see who got tested mm-hmm. when how many times I don't, to my knowledge, I don't think there is a list that shows how frequently they are getting tested, how many tests mm. they're doing a year or what that, you know, or even, I'm not even sure who they use, which I mean, testing group I mean, if they're not using USADA, it's... Yeah. Dude, it's I mean, I'm low, sure USADA garbage. would love to
1: have from, that contract. From a business standpoint... Um, they doing, shouldn't. They're doing great. Yeah, like yeah, You, yeah, you want to make
0: the most exciting game in the world, then you decide. think Roger
1: Goodell is going to sign up
2: Usada? <laughs> yeah, I happened. mean, from a recovery standpoint, it's true too. Yeah, they should it, be. It, it's better for the league, I think, if people are you know, yeah, they, yeah. It, you know, from a recovery and not missing games and and lengthening mm. careers potentially. Um, yeah, I would be hard pressed to believe that there isn't you know at least things that aren't detectable from you know urine. That they mm-hmm. wouldn't be taking advantage of that, and to a certain certain extent, I mean, are they kind of silly not to? When you have that type of money, and there's oh, more yeah. money on the line. So my they, point like-
1: is, I think they absolutely should be. They should they should be taking the entire kitchen sink because if <laughs> if my if my thirty million dollar a year income stream was dependent upon that, yeah. sign me up. But I think that there's a disconnect in the understanding between the fans and and the players, and like maybe people in like our community who might understand it a little bit better, yeah. and like. Mm-hmm. They should be doing it because there's no way – the the NFL would look like it did in the 50s. Yeah. Just like a bunch of little skinny dudes running around <laughs> hitting each other. You know, like what looks like back then was professional sports is now the equivalent of like a high school football game. So Yeah.
0: So just to pivot, what what does your typical client look like? Because originally you said you thought this was going to be an old man thing, but it sounded yeah. like you were leaning towards that you were surprised that it – It wasn't, I would say the
2: majority of our patients are between, you know, 35 to 50 years old. Okay. Um, It's typically, so And I'm glad you brought that point up with your dad because that is, that does exist. And I have kind of seen that just even from, you know, through experience of talking to, you know, you know, people inquiring about the clinic, that's, they're always a little more on the fence, a little more weary versus Mm -hmm. that 35 to 45 range, you'll see, you know, they've. They're like All they say is, I've been doing a lot of research on this, um, where I think those folks in their 60s aren't doing the same level of research, at least from my experience, from pe- people that I've talked to. But I would say that's where the majority, you know, th- that's where the majority of the patients are kind of coming from. Um, and they're looking to get ahead of it because they're starting to notice, you know, some of the some of the symptoms. And typically, you know. The things that you notice, I mean, it's like I brought up earlier: the loss of libido, loss of muscle mass, um, you know, having to take naps during the day, supplementing with a lot of caffeine, really hard to get up in the morning it's the biggest thing is seeing if there's a level of change with how you felt like, especially someone that's active. Like, you know, obviously you guys are super active and you would know at a certain point in your life, like I don't feel the same. Like you can tell, like mm-hmm. I knew when I was like, gosh, I'm really declining. Like when I always wanted to work out five days a week and I'm like, God, it's really hard to even do three days a week. Like, and I was like, Oh, I'm only 31. And I was like, there's no way my testosterone is low. And I get it checked and it's, you know, three thirty-five total testosterone, which is, which is low for 31. I had no libido, dragging to get up. I was like the guy that would take a shower in the morning then I, I got to lay back down I'll lay back <laughs> down and fall asleep I'm like shit, i almost late to work. Um, it, it was a struggle and then once I started it and within about, you know, three to four weeks, I'm like, okay, I remember feeling like this again. I mean, I didn't feel superhuman by any means, but I was like, this is kind of how I felt more so in my earlier 20s from an energy uh, standpoint, libido standpoint. But th- those are really the main things I think people will start to see. And sometimes, you know, maybe people that from a, you know gain you know obviously low testosterone a lot of times in in male specifically there's low testosterone can be contributing to you know additional visceral fat so Mm -hmm. elevating the testosterone levels help with visceral fat so we do have patients come specific to say "Hey, i'm really kind of adding on obviously weight around the stomach and the the sides um and they want to eliminate that and kind of look at this route from some of the research they've done so that'd be another reason as well
0: Hello, friends. We wanted to remind you about our exclusive offer from Element for Hybrid Unlimited listeners. You can snag a free gift when you purchase your pack of Element over at www.drinkelement.com/slash hybrid. That's www.drinkelement.com/slash hybrid. You can also find that link in the show notes or over on the podcast Instagram page. If you sweat, you need Element. It's the tastiest electrolyte supplement on the market, trusted by athletes at the highest level. We love it and we know you will too.
1: All right, back to the show. And like, where do you see the success? Like once somebody comes to you, they have an open mind, they're like willing to give it a shot. Like what do you, if you were to take like a snapshot of
2: people's feedback? Yeah, I mean, usually people say they wish they would have started sooner. Um, And a lot of times, you know, usually i'd say it's typically energy you know it's energy and libido that people will really i think that really stands out and you know there's some that will it's been crazy to see you know, weight loss wise, we'll see there's some patients that don't change anything about their lifestyle. They'll stay sedentary. They won't change anything with their diet. Just getting the hormones to a good spot, lose 30 pounds. I mean, these are guys are a little more overweight. Um, but, yeah, I mean, obviously the, the the feedback's been really well and the, the retention in a, a business like this, because they, they do work. I mean, the, the medications do work. People do feel better. Um, and, you know, when they see the blood, the we do a lot of follow-up blood work as well you know when someone starts they do a full initial panel they do it again at the six weeks we'll do it again at 90 days after they start treatment then from there could be quarterly or every six months going to depend on the patient but when they see their cholesterol levels are improving and some of the other blood markers are improving um, i think that's when they you know they really get get bought in and so the retention's the retention is really great and then you brought up something that i think is really important for everyone like
1: whether you're considering this or you're male female we haven't even touched on the female
2: side of things And i don't do you guys work with females as yeah, well yeah we so we actually we're about 50 50 from really? males to females so that's oh, I wouldn't really that, surprising yeah so
1: um can we talk about that a little bit because from, yeah for sure like i've had this conversation with my wife a million times and like her experience with medical professionals it's like the second you start bringing up hormones she, from her point of view the only thing that gets talked about is babies yeah. And like there is an entire world of female hormone optimization. And what does that look like?
2: Yeah. I mean, I, typically the patients are going to come, you know, the, the female patients are going to come when they're in, you know, the perimenopause, menopause, postmenopause phase. On occasion, they may come sooner if there's a thyroid deficiency or, you know, um, PCOS um, to treat that. And there's some other hormone, you know, a, a hormone. To, abnormalities that we might treat as well but i would say typically the female patients that are coming just a little bit older um they'll come now similar blood panel with some additional markers like we'll look at progesterone um Mm. as well but i mean it's very similar concept as far as just optimizing the hormones now the dosing is going to be a little bit different. We're not going to put the same level of testosterone on a male as we would a female, obviously. Um, but there, there's a few extra things that we'll prescribe. And so, yeah, I mean, we um, a lot of times what happens is that let's say a, we may have a, a wife or a husband will start first. One of them will they'll start separately. Some don't start together. One will start and then they'll see the, you know, the results are significant others have. And they say, oh, they, then they'll convince mm. them to, convince them to well, start. Why do
1: women come in then? Like, what would be their complaint? They're like, I'm, hey, doctor, and you ask them, like, you know, what brings you in today? And yeah, what's the I, reason? Yeah, kind of like I'm
2: going to get more in-depth on that, but lots of hot flashes are starting when they're you okay. know, pre-menopause. Uh, if they see that starting, I would say that as well as uh, you know, unexplained weight gain. You know, they can be doing everything possible, and they'll come in and their the hormone levels will be pretty, pretty jacked up. Um, but we get a lot of, you know, What's interesting about the, you know, you don't hear even like if you listen to our podcast today. Like we focus a lot on the males, and you see a mm-hmm. lot of there's a lot more male clinics, and I can kind of get into the why behind it. Males are easier to treat. There's less hormones. The hormones don't fluctuate as yeah. much. We don't, uh, my wife has said the we're same not thing. <clears throat> yeah, so th- there's a lot less. Probably easier to convert too. There's right? a, yeah, there's a lot less variables in play. And I can just tell you this from a business standpoint: the level of effort it takes for the providers and for the staff to manage a female patient significantly more, and the margins are less on the, you know, on the, the really? hormones. So a lot of places, and not hmm. everyone's going to tell you that, but like they, they no, that's good. Uh, yeah, and so a lot nice. of places will say, hey, I'll just, I'm going to go all in on male and focus, you know, only do you know men's TRT and whatever they want to, you know, I. There's a place locally called Mentality. There's one called Man Up. Low testosterone center. A, I can't make this shit up. Mantality, one's called man mentality. Up. One's called mentality. Those an are local. Those are local in St. Louis, but like <laughs> they, they only focus on that because they found that hey, there's a little there's they could see it's they can see more more male patients yeah, I mean, like the it, McDonald's it's, of the HRT yeah, world. It's it's lower it's lower those maintenance served. too. You don't have to do as much blood work on a male mm-hmm. patient. we on a female. There's more fluctuations. A lot more maintenance required. But like when we went into this, it said, I mean obviously we had other jobs and we were just super passionate about it. Cause my dad had been undergoing the treatment for a while himself and it was life changing for him. We didn't want to say, Hey, let's, let's only do males. Let's we'll say, I think, you know, and, and he obviously, you know, is familiar with both sides of the fence. So he, he's he, like, we were dead set on, Hey, you gotta do, you have to do both. If so you how, want to be a how reputable do you clinic.
1: treat that with women then? Cause I also seems like there's a stigma around it. Like it seems like, you know, again, I'm not a woman. Don't not pretending to have experienced the same kind of difficulties in the medical system that women have faced, but it seems like there's like a stigma in the medical community. It also
0: seems like you're right, and it also seems like a lot of people would come in, like I I, I'm sure you can correct me if I'm wrong, but there's probably a lot of guys that come in and their mind is already made up that they'd like to pursue the treatment, right? I feel like women, like you're gonna have to more often than not kind of like tell them why it's beneficial and you know they're not ready to pull the trigger necessarily
2: the same way a lot of guys are so typically i would say with women that so if you think about going to a general practice you, your experience going to doctor how often during do you your doctors talk about hormones they just don't know especially
1: yeah. as a man i can tell you for sure every time i've talked to a gp like there was in my you know and i've been very open with this you know my but very
2: but very minimally so sorry i'll give you my point i didn't mean to just blur it back to you but um and sorry to cut you off but no, the, okay. they're more exposed to it because they're obgyns or they're they're bringing up hormones for, based on how they're feeling so there's more discussions that happen yeah. with their doctors at that point by the time they do pursue hormone treatment so i have found that they're a little more open minded to women take yes to taking okay. you know oh, whether it be saying? yeah to, to estrogen progesterone okay. and their side effects of you know of going through menopause it's a lot more intense it's nothing that we go through yeah and, or could even horrible. or can even relate to and so i think a lot of times like it's um I, i'd say that's probably one of the most rewarding um you know pieces of what we do to have you know we get you know obviously when it, uh, a, a woman submits a contact form, they'll, they'll write a novel of right. all the ways they're feeling and how they, they're out of options and just really, and it's leading, obviously, to mental issues as well. What do the and guys' then,
0: ones look like just says, <laughs> feel shitty? <laughs> it,
2: it's, it, I'm not joking. Like, some it's just TRT. And I'm like, okay, yep, okay. Um, but At least we're on able, the same page. Yeah, and, and, yeah, there you go. You came to the right place. Um, but, but being able to help you know those patients i think that's where it's like super rewarding to say hey this has been you know this has been life-changing um and and they may have gone to other providers previously that haven't been able to kind of hone in on the dosing um and monitor it as closely so I, I think that's where it's i think that's pretty cool to to see when you know obviously having an impact on someone's everyday life and definitely a lot of times their husband's a patient then you talk to them and they'll say oh my gosh my wife feels amazing and how it's just life-changing for both of them together it, it's pretty th- th- we've had some pretty cool success stories you know as far as that goes and, f- and for my own education what is it that you're
1: prescribing to treat some of these hormone deficiencies in women and what's the common hormone deficiency that and i just don't know yeah I mean, i'm asking you because i just i, so I, don't, I was, don't even yeah know.
2: i mean some of the the, the same ones as as male so i mean some of them so obviously testosterone um, lower dose DHEA is another one we'll do look at do women expect that do they expect that like low testosterone as a woman is a negative thing or do they ex- do they think they shouldn't have any here's what I'll say that usually they're aware but they're a little hesitant to do the injections typically they'll say oh I'll do a cream uh, and they're okay with that. I would, That's kind of shifted a little bit because the injections absorb better than a, a you know, a, a right. cream as well. I mean, than a transdermal cream that they're using. So we've seen, a, and it's a smaller volume of, you know, the oil that they're injecting. But a lot of them at first weren't. Now more of them are kind of shifted that way. So, you know, obviously testosterone, DHEA that can help with mental clarity and focus. So they're deficient in that. Um, Estradiol, you know, if their estrogen levels are low, that's something we'll prescribe. Uh, Also, progesterone Mm -hmm. is another big one. Um, Thyroids, you know, T3, T4, or a blend of both. Um, Those are really, I would say, those are the core, you know, the bioidentical hormones that we would typically prescribe. And do you see any of those from
1: the list you just rattled off? Like, do you see any of those more on the side of women's treatment as opposed to men? Or Um, maybe it's the obvious.
2: Yeah, I mean, well... You mean as far as like, yeah, I mean I typically like a male protocol is going to, you testosterone, DHEA, some of the the thyroid as well. But I would say traditionally the female patients are going to be prescribed more more hormones of a variation.
1: Okay, so there's typically like a broader range that yeah. they need help with than men because like I don't even know the clinical application of DHEA for men.
2: Yeah, I mean, really, it's mental clarity and focus i mean it's a precursor of a hormone so if that's deficient and you address that it can it can help but yeah, if I mean, it I, is if it's already high there's kind of a diminishing point of return um on it you know it, it depends that taking that along with testosterone can definitely can definitely help yeah i don't think i've ever I don't, or
1: at least i don't remember testing for dhea is it on typical blood panels for men yeah. okay yeah the, i'm, I'm, the K- now I'm K- curious self-right. i'm gonna have to go back and look
2: yeah i mean it's not really gonna you know if you are high in it and taking it it's not really going to have there's no downside really to taking it. it's just not going to help as much as someone that sure. you know that is deficient in it and you know I, we've had people that take it and they'll say well i don't know if it's doing anything then they stop taking it and they go oh shit!" yeah <laughs> then they'll start back on it but a lot of the the main thing i think people kind of say is it's just mental clarity and focus you know especially if you're working a desk job or something just requires focus all day
1: yeah that makes sense it's like, where do you see this uh, kind of journey going with the world of hormone optimization? Like, do you see any kind of new sort of evolution, like the bleeding edge of this science? Like, what what else is there to optimize? And, yeah. and, and men and women, but like, where do you see this? Because I feel like we're at the very beginning, like we're at the cradle of this evolution. Yeah. Uh, and like, where do you see it going and how, how can people further improve their... Uh, blood panels, because uh, one of the things I was trying to touch on earlier was the importance of blood panel uh, knowledge, of just general population. Like, I feel like people should be getting their blood panels done, like, you know, biannually. You know, I, I do two yeah. or three, four times a year sometimes, you know, because I need to know where things are at. But I feel like it, it is
2: the window into the body. Yeah, and I think just to kind of touch on the blood panels, well, you're 100% right. Is traditionally someone... Does, never gets blood work done and you go to your gp and say hey i want some blood work done they're just like they yeah. kind of i but don't I know. know i don't know Why? if the insurance is going to cover it in there or if you want extra stuff based on you know outside of what they would consider a you know very generic baseline panel um they'll kind of bat an eye at that as well but if you do the majority of clinics i would say uh, at least that i'm aware of to mainstay stay on the program you have to do regular blood work. To keep getting those prescriptions signed, you have to do it. Yeah. So there are things that you can catch from those blood panels. Um I think that just from a preventive health standpoint. So right. that's one of the benefits I think that probably, you know, I didn't articulate it well enough earlier, but I think that's one of the big benefits to being in the protocol because it is going to force you to get to get regular blood work when you normally wouldn't never yeah. have. Because you could um, probably catch a lot of, of
1: diseases in the early stage by having regular blood panels done. D- oh, right? yeah.
2: Yeah. It definitely helps. I mean, obviously, if there's. Yeah, if there's prostate issues, you can get ahead of that. Um, obviously, if their lipid profiles look off, blood count levels look yeah. off. Um, you know, there's been times we've seen blood count levels get off, and we've recommended additional testing and treatment. We had a patient that, that was brand new, just started with us, and he had a uh, he was actually in kind of the stage zero, stage one form of cancer. And he obviously, what, my, what tipped you uh, off? Um, uh, it was wow. the blood, it was my dad saw something off with the i think it was a red blood cell count. Um, oh, okay. it was, it was with the blood, it was with the, um, the blood cell count. that he said, something looks off here. And, um, he, he goes, let's do some additional testing. And he sent him to a specialist and that's where they kind of discovered it. Well, I um, wouldn't so, have known otherwise. I mean, it would have, could have, yeah. I mean, if he wouldn't have had that, any blood work done, I don't know if, I mean, eventually I guess he would have seen some of the. Yeah. Symptoms. symptoms from from having it um but yeah i think that's just you know that that's kind of one example that that we see um also too with the um you know you know pituitary you know if there's a, a tumor on the pituitary so you know if you see elevated prolactin levels it could indicate that as well so we've actually caught quite a few um of adenomas on the pituitary We'll oh, say, rules like yeah tumor so or something it, most cases yes yeah. um but we'll say hey go get a 3d you know there's some people we had to rule out treatment um you know after they've gone to a specialist but we'll say hey go get a 3d tesla mri um get the get a scan of the pituitary we can catch it on that so that's something that yeah i mean i I would say that's not happening every month out of the hundreds of blood draws we're doing but you know quarterly like it is popping up you know with people for sure what what type of person do
0: you turn away outside of somebody who has a more extreme thing like cancer that shows up on a blood test Like, I guess my question is, if somebody came into the clinic and, you know, we were talking about the ranges of what's normal earlier and it's a huge range, yeah, right? Let's say somebody comes in and they fall right in the middle of that range and they say, I'm just interested in getting like the most within this natural range that I can. Is that something you accommodate or are you like, you don't need it?
2: Yeah. I mean, it's more so, yeah, I mean, it's. A lot of it's symptom-based treatment. We don't just go off the blood numbers because everyone's going to feel different with different numbers. Like if I have 700 total sun and you do too, we're not going to feel necessarily the same. Our hormone receptors sure. are different. with uh, We receive the hormones. So it's, it's going to depend. So we'll, we'll guide that more off of symptom-based treatment. Now, if someone does come in those... You know the free total testosterone is higher. We're going to prescribe less of a dose, most likely, versus someone that's low um, that that's lower to start. So yeah, I mean to answer your question, like yeah, that that's someone that we we could potentially accommodate. Now, if someone comes in and you know we've seen some been doing this for six years on, we've seen some crazy shit where people will come. What's, and what's be... a
0: crazy story?
2: We had a <laughs> we had a guy <laughs> it, he came over ten thousand. Total nanograms per deciliter of testosterone. 10,000? How? Yeah, so it does not register, actually, on the, the lab. Couldn't it register. It just aired <laughs> out, and it said, it's above 10,000. We don't know how much above. That was as high as like, the oh, actually you had, testing so like, machine I've seen testing had to go. Where you can it go. Looks so looks like 10 so times yeah, higher than This the... is before a guy actually <laughs> became a patient. And, yeah. he, and my dad goes, my dad knew the guy, and he goes, how much are you fucking taking? And, and the guy goes, like, 400. He goes, bullshit. And then he goes, all right, I'm doing, you know, 600. And I goes, bullshit. <laughs> the guy was injecting 1,500 of, oh my yeah, like God. a week. And so I've heard of 1,000 for, like, bodybuilders. So, so, yeah, and so.
1: Like 1.5 grams of. Yeah.
2: And oh, so.
1: It's like a, <laughs> that's a that's a like, Hey, that,
2: there's a. Does <laughs> Do it look good? There's a pretty big. Um, I mean, it was through video conferencing, so I never, like, oh. saw him or anything, but. Uh, I hope he's was not was I would hope so. <laughs> I don't know what he'd look like with that, or what else he could have been taking. I, would, I mean, at that point, that's kind of where you're taking that level of testosterone. That's where you we, you know, we don't typically prescribe the estrogen blockers. But if you're taking that level of testosterone, you're going to produce a lot of estrogen with it as well. So he's you, looking yes. at a high dose of, uh, you know, an uh, aromatase inhibitor to take as well, that to block the estrogen. So yeah, that's um, that, that was one of the, the craziest ones. He's got to sure. run out of like <laughs> tissue to inject into at that point. Yeah, and that's it's, that's that's like that's one that's 15 milliliters a week. Yeah, and I think to, <laughs> to answer your question earlier, as far as where I see the evolution of this going, I mean, I think yeah. that we're going to continually see more and more medications pop up. Like there's a lot going on in the peptide space right now where you see a lot of new ones that will will come up um that's kind of that's been pretty constant where the menu used to be pretty short for peptides now they're growing quite a bit some of them in my opinion they're just they're small tweaks that are happening and then it's just a marketing gimmick hey here's the latest greatest newest like one that Um, i know of like bpc
1: 157 is there any
2: reasonable science behind that that you know of i'm actually taking that right now really so yeah so i'm taking that right now so that was one where we were a little you know I would say we're we're always very cautious until we say, hey, there's enough proven research to say hey, this is safe, high efficacy. Um what is that one do? working? So that one essentially, you know, it, there's a lot of things it can do, but it, it has some anti-inflammatory properties in it. And then also it can help with if there's micro tears of tendons and ligaments, it can basically it's a regenerative. So it's almost like a it's a form of a, almost a form of like the best way to explain, it, like a stem cell, like instead of doing mm-hmm. stem cells, it's a, a, a kind of an alternative to that because it can regenerate cells. There's a, multiple ways to take it, too, and there's a long list of benefits. I'd be here for a while explaining, but it does a lot for gut health as well. If you're having GI issues, um, what do you take? You're having see, I am so I'm just taking it, inflammation, see if it helps my joints, and um, I. I'm not taking, I'm taking that with the testosterone, 200 milligrams a week and doing that six years. Usually I'll, I'll take other stuff occasionally too. But I, like I talked about earlier, I said, if I'm going to add something, I want to keep all those variables the same and just add yeah. to see if it's actually working. And then I can give kind of feedback to tell people how I explain. But um, yeah, I, I'm noticing some benefits from it. You, the inflammation benefits help pretty quickly um i would say within about a week or two definitely don't feel as inflamed i feel like i'm training more frequently a little bit heavier in the last couple of weeks i was just felt like i was in pain all the years of lifting and stuff and, yeah. and, and the winter started i was like let's see how this works um and there's also and i injected subcutaneous you there's an oral form too that's recommended if you're having you know more mm-hmm. so for gut health you know or gut issues um and if you also can't like let's say you you know let's say you tore I, I tore my quad tendon a few years ago uh, while that was repairing you can actually do site injections they recommend doing a a triangle around the the injury to get it in there there's some some science behind that that mm. shows that it helps um there's based on the research that we had kind of read that the pharmacy that we work with had been using it um we, we thought it was like okay this is this is working pretty well and we've heard a lot of good things so we that's why we started kind of we started pushing it out I mean Gordon, have you, have you Go, used Gordon Ryan took it for his uh, for all the gun yeah. issues he was well, having
0: I, I took it when I, I tore an oblique going into pro raw uh back when I did that yeah. competition and I didn't think I was gonna be able to compete and I took that and it got me pretty much through the whole competition I ended up like re-tearing it <laughs> but, yeah. uh, in deadlift on my second attempt but I was able to get through squat bench Got my first deadlift in, which was a total PR for me. So it was like the whole thing was a win because I didn't even know if I was going to be able to compete at all. Uh, So I had a good experience with it as well.
2: We've gotten really good feedback on everyone that's been taking it um, so far. So I I think that's going to be one that's going to be I think that's going to be here to stay. And it's there's really no there's not really any known side effects from it either. I mean, it, it, it's a it's a fifteen sequence of amino acid. It's derived from the human gastric juice. Is how they. Uh, I have some people that ask exactly how it's made, and I'll send them the whole thing. I'm like, well, unless you're a chemist, I think it would kind of go. Yeah. It, it, yeah. it goes over my head. I, I'm sure it would go over theirs unless they are. But it's uh, it's definitely an interesting one where I was like, I was like, I want to. After I was hearing everyone. Went, that was taken at the patients are like, I feel amazing. I'm like, I, I got to try it. I hadn't even tried I've had it. a yet. ton of
1: people ask me and I always defer to like, go ask a doctor. Like, I have no idea, but I always kind of veered away from the peptide space because yeah. a lot of it seems very like a uh, pseudo
2: scientific. Well, that- well, yeah. You're a hundred. I'm we're in the same boat because yeah. we, there's people asking years ago if we'd prescribe it. And it, it was, it was classified as a research peptide. They'd only done experience on rats um and there's one of the i actually had a call with our you know one of the far, the pharmacists from the clinic uh, the pharmacy we get it from last week he kind of did a presentation about it he said there was one of the studies they they severed a rat's spinal cord and then That's injected cruel. it with did site injecting bpc157 and it and it, mm. their claim is that it regrew the, Come on. the, the it regrew the spinal cord it's fucked up that they they ripped this spinal cord in half yeah and, and so obviously paralyzed and then yeah. was able to then was able to move buddy it's okay wow. then was able to, to move again so granted that's a, it's a rat um so i don't know how much you know i, I don't know if there's a correlation yeah, you... there uh, to a human but uh, nonetheless interesting you know if if true um, but I, I'm always I'm a skeptic on things. I think a lot of things could just be marketing. You know, does it actually work? Um, and this was one that had been around a little while, where it, and, and there was more human studies that had come out to say this is. What's the, the other drug,
0: other peptide that people take with BPC one five seven normally? I've heard of Rad one forty. I don't know
2: what that is. You heard, yeah, heard of it. 100 I think it was something of uh, Yeah, it's not the one you're talking about. I just do you know what
0: I'm talking about though?
2: Um, i mean what cjc 1295 is one um i can't remember it was no i i'll have to get back to you on it
1: yeah but i I vaguely remember it because like i remember looking on a peptide web because like i remember i'd heard something a long time ago like i think i always had issues with bicep tendonitis mm -hmm. so like i remember i've done bpc157 before to kind of like mitigate some of that but whenever people come up and ask me about things like that especially about uh testosterone
2: things of that nature I mean, it's like set up straight to the doctor like i don't i have no yeah. expertise just with, with some you know in my opinion i think with some of the peptides or with taking like igf1 or the igflr3 i think if your igf1 level is already pretty what's classified as pretty high i don't know what the exact number would be but um if that number is pretty high i think there's a point of diminishing return where you're probably just wasting your money like taking some mm-hmm. of the, the peptides now if someone's low and they take it hey they can get a benefit from it I mean, my dad knows what that exact range what he's looking for is but usually if someone's high he's going to say hey you can take it you're already pretty high you're probably not going to see many you know many benefits from you know some of the peptides and you know since the igf one's already pretty high so yeah that's i think that's one and a lot of clinics will not check your igf1 they won't mm-hmm. they don't even look at it um but they'll just prescribing on a peptide where oh it might not work. I've heard that a lot. Of stores will say, "I do not feel shit and I just spent a lot of money." I'm like, "Well, your IGF-1's probably high." Yeah. If people come around to their clinics, we'll check it and I'm like, "Well, your IGF-1's through the roof or naturally already." So, um that's kind of that can be why. So, it's really I think the future looks interesting cuz it's about
1: optimization around around the entire sphere of human health. Yeah. Would you would you say that's kind of like a, a very vague but accurate outlook on the future yeah, of I... of like health optimization as opposed to cause I, the way I see the the healthcare space going from my point of view is like
2: preventative as opposed to reactive. Mm-hmm. It, it's been shifting that way for a little while, I think the preventative health it I mean even you're seeing that I think from like a, PT standpoint, you're seeing more preventative measures being taken to avoid injuries. I think that's more prevalent now than years past. But I think you're, you're kind of at the nail on the head. I think there's going to be it's gonna be less reactive, more preventative in, in medicine. I think that's going to industry is going to continue to grow. I mean, if you look at the numbers just from, you know, pharmaceutical sales in a lot of things like we're prescribing, everything's on a pretty high trajectory um and ultimately what we do it is preventative you know medicine but i think that you're going to continually see it grow and you're going to see new meds coming up as well i mean we're seeing it with some of the weight loss drugs as well like some of glutides one um where initially they're made for type 2 diabetics but they'll uh, they've seen some benefits of weight loss and it's been deemed safe in most cases it comes with some side effects um terzepatide is another one that's going to be that's that's getting fast track for fda approval for weight loss so i think that's going to be that will be the next hot one uh that's going to come out in the spring that you're going to see like everything terzepatide everything yeah it's called terzepatide
1: god who so, names these drugs
2: yeah very <laughs> similar somewhat similar to semaglutide but has some uh. additional benefits um there was a um you had her on. Um, uh, G- Dr. Gabrielle, like, yeah, she, yeah. she's really familiar with it. She was on Power Project, and she kind of broke down the difference. Way she's way smarter than me. She broke it down like very good as far as how they differ. So, I would, if everyone's kind of curious, I, I would reference that podcast where she explained it. She explained it really well. well that's beautiful. Yeah, but there, we're seeing really great. Uh, we're seeing really great results. I mean, it's essentially appetite mm-hmm. suppressant is, is what it's doing. Um, it's good for if people are already like doing the intermittent fasting. Um, it does help with that as well. It can essentially once you take, you I mean, you start at a really low dose to see how you respond, and then you kind of add it, uh, you slowly inch it up. But eventually, you get to a point you don't want to eat at all uh, on it, and so that's it's not good. Be negative
1: Th- that's, consequences to that, of course. Right? Yeah. yeah, that's
2: what you want to avoid. That's why we go really slow up. Typically, 0.25 milligrams is all. After you go four weeks at 0.25, then go up to 0.5. Then sometimes we have people that are super sensitive to it; they'll need to split even that 0.25. Because uh, it can cause some nausea if you're, you know, overdosing on it. But that is, um, you're going to see more weight loss drugs. So and, is there anything is else going, like so. on the
1: mental performance side of things? Because like, there's a lot of uh, off-label medications out there for mental focus and clarity and attention deficit disorder type of drugs,
2: things within that realm. But do you do you have much experience in that side of things as well? It, I mean, it's not so much as far as like the psychoactive, you know, drugs. I'm, I'm I'm less familiar in it. Um, I don't know, I haven't done much research to see if there is. I mean, I'm sure there's gonna be more medications that come out and that are potentially safer than what's out there now. you know versus um, like you know such essentially amphetamine salts oh, yeah. um and, and there's a lot of side effects of that stuff so i would think there should be an evolution at some point with those those type of medications
1: yeah i feel like the next generation is like whatever the iteration of like modafinil type drugs are potentially like that that's one i've had pretty um, <laughs> a little
0: adderall modafinil hybrid that'd be, that'd be nice. yeah that
1: that particular <laughs> one's the only like add type of drug that i've ever had any like like long-term success with that doesn't cause like ridiculous side effects, like fucking sadness and depression and the come down is not the same, but that's, that's like an anti-narcoleptic drug at its origin. Uh, supposedly, you know, I think it's really like a, a wakefulness promoting drug without all the nasty like side effects of Adderall and things like that. But again, like I lump it into the same kind of conversation, you know, on a big picture level, because I think as humans, we're pushing the body, To to do more, produce more, uh, you know, be more effective, be bigger. Like we figured out as a as a species that like, oh, I don't have to feel like shit and I can have energy and I can uh, be strong. And, you know, there's we figured out all these ways to manipulate the body into performing the way that we want it. So it's like we've taken the reins a little bit from our biology.
2: Yeah. No, that's a good way to put it. I like that. Yeah, it's the future. There's no doubt. Yeah, I, I have not put too much thought into that since it's a little out of the scope as far as like what our clinic does. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I so we do have a lot of people that will come to us and say, hey, I'm taking high doses of Adderall. I don't want to take that much and, and kind of get off it. So we have been able to successfully transition patients off of you know, some of the ADHD meds. Um, and, and I don't want to say like, that's going to be true. I mean, some people probably truly need them. Some, they're probably over-prescribed like a lot of other, you know, a lot of other, you know, medications. Sure. But um, we have seen some success people being able to phase off. And, and really that's just through, you know, like I said, the DHA can help with the mental clarity and focus, the testosterone gives some additional energy. Um, but not everyone, there's some people will stay on it. It's not going to Aren't be- I wonder if you read the headlines pencil. recently, but there's like actually an Adderall shortage. I, I saw that, like, a couple months ago.
1: Um, yeah, it keeps popping up in the why? news. There's, they can't produce enough of it. Oh, wow. Like, there's literally so much demand. <clears throat> it's not like a, su- a supply, supply
0: chain thing. It's like no. uh, people are taking too much. Well, there's just so sort of much deal. demand. Yeah, yeah, I
2: wonder what that... I remember it was started getting popular when I was in college, which was a really long time ago. <laughs> now so sure I'm getting old. Um, so it was, you know, 17 years ago. Um, so, yeah, it was getting popular then. I don't... I'm curious what it's like... No, I don't hang out with college students. I am think it's, it's I,
0: very prevalent. Well, yeah, George just graduated, so okay. quite popular. Is it still? Is it a big thing? When people and there's oh, people yeah. sell it to each other. They'll have prescriptions, yeah, What they don't use. They sell. It was. Uh, I tried it when I was writing my uh, thesis, and uh, Steffi had taken it for a number of years to get through grad school for herself. Yeah. So I had tried to write this thing a couple times, just couldn't, like, couldn't get through it. And uh, eventually, I was like, "What's that like Adderall stuff you take to focus?" And she's like, oh, "You can try some if you want." I fe- I literally felt like I took the Limitless drug. Like, yeah. I took and that thing and just. The funny thing <laughs> banged is, it the Limitless drug is modafinil.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, kind of. Adderall is like modafinil light.
0: You think? Uh, yeah. Adder- Adderall is like intense though. I feel, I feel like uh, modafinil. The beauty in modafinil is what you don't notice. It's just that you're able to operate and not feel tired and stay concentrated, whereas you're very aware
1: when you take a drug like Adderall that you've taken something. That's what I hate right? about it. I think that's the downside: is that you feel this like global hypertension in the body. You're like, <laughs> oh fuck, I just took Adderall. Like, and you're just very like. <laughs> Some yeah. people like that though. Uh, I can't stand it. That's <laughs> but, that's the downside to me.
0: But it, it was very helpful in me for a very short period of time, just like getting something done, and then yeah, didn't do it after that, but i was like oh i mean it works it does what it's supposed to do
1: yeah well jeff i feel like this is a good place to stop
2: yeah before
1: (laughs) where can people find you and learn more about the services you guys provide which i because i i mean listen i'll just be frank on the air like i'm a patient of the clinic like it's i yeah it's great it's uh The service you guys provide, the professionalism is really like unparalleled, and I feel like it's a breath of fresh air. I feel like the information you're able to provide people is really refreshing, and this type of conversation has to happen. Otherwise, we're going to just keep hearing dumb shit like the liver king, and that's going to be the conversation (laughs) around this. And It is not necessarily a conversation that should revolve around guys like that, but it's a medical treatment. It's something that doctors should be discussing with people. Not
2: guys on the internet, not meatheads in the gym. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I I think in a, you know, just, I'm pretty optimistic about that. I I think that this this type of stuff, though, within, like, it's going to create a level of awareness of what we do. And so that's why and you're seeing more people out actually talking about it now. I think that stigma, the the pendulum shifting where that stigma that we talked about earlier is starting to go away some. Um, and I think, uh, it's going to continue to, so in a way, I think that, um, I think it is kind of a, it's a good thing that it came out for many reasons, but I think that's one of them, um, that we'll see. But yeah, I mean, as far as where to find me, so our clinic's name is Whitmer Rejuvenation Clinic. So you can find us on, it's, it's W-I-T-T, so no H in there, but Whitmer Rejuvenation Clinic. So it is, uh, we're on Instagram, Facebook, um, we do a little bit on YouTube and then, um, uh, it's just my name on Instagram, just Jeff Whitmer. Get What's your something. website? com. it's awesome. long <laughs> and they're a real doctor's office yeah yeah it, it you know um, <laughs>
1: it's an important thing to note these
2: days yeah it well i always we didn't get into like the red flag things but sorry i can talk all day but real quick um you know i thought it was from some of the clinics you go to you don't can never see who their doctors or who their staff is and you're like is there someone behind this telemed line <laughs> or is there actually <laughs> yeah. people with licenses that have some background on them so I think um, that is one thing kind of we want to change the industry, where we say, hey, let's have some transparency. Say, who are you going to be dealing with? What's some of their background? Here's a, yeah. here's a picture of what they look like in their name. Um, not just... Um, you mean like a normal you know, doctor? Yeah, not just... <laughs> like, <laughs> exactly. <Yeah>. Um, <laughs> fair, fair enough. Yeah, I mean, um, but that's funny because it's yeah, not the norm Not a good guy injecting and whatnot, so yeah, I'm I glad we were able to find that. I don't <laughs> want that
1: guy talking to me about anything related to my body. Yeah. Well, no. Well, thank you so much, dude. We no, really appreciate it. And thanks for uh, flying in. It was, this was good great.
2: That was good to get. In the thank you for weather. educating the masses and kind of breaking yeah. down some of the I, stigma. Yeah, I, I did my best. I'm not a, a doctor or anything. I know a little bit about this stuff, but um, no, my dad knows a ton more. So we lean on him for that. Nah, next time Extra. we're getting. On I my was guns. not smart enough to be a doctor, but uh, <laughs> you just got to work with what you got. Well, we appreciate it. Thanks, All man. Guys. Thank you.